Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Happy Friday, beer geeks. It's that time again. I hope you have a beer in your hand. Uh, We don't because we're recording in the morning because Bradley is going to have lots of beers in his hand soon. Oh, mate. Yeah, I'm off to Brew London uh, for the day at a trade session. So I'm going to go and say hello to a few people and, uh, yeah, drink a few little tasty beers. It's uh, you. You are aware that Brew London is sort of the the next generation of of craft beer rising, where we have a bit of a reputation, Bradley. Oh God, I know. Don't I know it? <laughs> I'm going to try and go- not not knock down any stands uh, today by being absolutely trolleyed. And hey, not, well, what, not, what, what we were doing is we were getting our retaliation in first at Lagunitas before they sold to Heineken. <laughs> That's why you knocked it over six oh, years ago. <laughs> that was honestly at that point. I just, I just love Lagunitas so much. I was just so happy that I was allowed to pour my own pints of Lagunitas. Um, I get, I, what happened, Johnny? We'd been given a pretty big privilege there. I think we were quite young in the game, weren't we? In in the sort of YouTuber sphere, so so green, so and, noob, and all of the the lovely guys like the beer weasel, and I can't remember the the other dude who was running it over here in the UK. They'd all put their trust in us uh, and they let us <laughs> behind the barrier that, that, that separates your your people that actually work there and are not drunk uh, from the punters. And they let us in. And then I proceeded to basically destroy their stand by falling all <laughs> over it uh, and jumping around like a maniac, uh, drinking too much loopy juice. But and hey. there is there is video evidence of this. We we we've stopped publishing the moments where one of us uh, crosses the line into drunkenness. Yeah. But back then we weren't so discerning. No, we weren't. Definitely weren't. We also we also like lost our whole camera rig that night, didn't we? No, that was the next night. That sorry, that was the next year. That was again again it was uh, the Lagunitas stand, yeah, yeah. but it was when they had brown sugar on, which is their nine percent. Oh, american brown ale yeah and i just at the end of the night just i put my camera down and was chatting to them and then just walked off without my camera classic <laughs> it wasn't like so just, I woke up. it wasn't a little camera it was on a, like a shoulder rig big yeah, microphone full rig, yeah. it yeah. was crazy man yeah crazy and i i i 
I don't know what I was thinking, but I woke up in the morning really hungover, picked up my bags. I was going back to the festival because I was actually working it while I was at uh, Cave Direct. Picked up my camera bag and it was empty. Like it just sort of <laughs> swung up and I was like, oh my God. So that that's one of the worst hangovers I've ever had, sprinting back to Brick Lane to check who Ooh. had my camera. Yeah, And I, I arrived at the Lagunita stand and the guy was just stood there looking smug at me <laughs> with his arms folded, judgy. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it was Beer Weasel, wasn't it? The Beer Weasel, right? Is that his name? I, I, I don't remember that. I, I'm, I'm the dude, desperately trying the dude to remember his name. Looks, the dude that looked like the dude from The Big Lebowski, who was this old stoner guy that was one of the main dudes. Oh, that guy, that yeah. That, yeah, he wasn't there when you were destroying the stand. No, 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 he wasn't there. No, no he was there for the brown sugar incident. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he was called the Beer Weasel. I don't the know beer whether weasel. he's still at Lagunitas. I don't know. I don't really know who is who survived that that corporate buyout. But no, um, no. It's, I mean, I was about to say the company's changed. The company's changed, and the beer's changed. It's in the UK. It's now one point two percent weaker and a, a shadow of its of its former self. Anyway, enough uh, enough about Lagunitas. Um, yes, you're going to Brew London. Um, there's lots of... What I like about Brew London, Brew London doesn't get a lot of love um, because it is quite corporate and it is, you know, you get a lot of beer buyers there, which makes it actually really important for smaller brewers to get in front of these people for the first time. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was where... It wasn't where I had my first pint of Daya, but it was one of my first and where I met them for the first time because they were trying to get in front of the right people. And I think people should be less judgy about it. And we're, we're hoping you'll discover some new guys. Yeah, man. It's sort of like a bit like the Dragon's Den of the beer world, kind of, <laughs> as an yeah. event. Um, I wouldn't say... I mean, I'm definitely not one of the dragons. I'm not Dead Bermudan or, or uh, any of the other ones. Which one of the dragons world. would you be? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? Um I'd I like think you're Theo, because be he's a bit of a live wire. Theo Prophetus. You've got Duncan Bannatyne, who's got a he's always got a wild look in his eye, that man. I think <laughs> Duncan Bannatyne has probably murdered people over his life. He, he's he's like a sort of like a, I could see him as like a Scottish hard man in a jail yard. Just being he's like he's really little like a little dude, but he looks wiry. I reckon if he ripped his um suit off He'd, he'd look like Iggy Pop. He'd just be sinewy <laughs> and like... Because you know, he's got the health clubs, hasn't he? Bannatine I was going to say, he does literally own gyms. Yeah, so yeah I reckon he's if absolutely he's not, Iggy yeah. Pop ripped in a weird, like, sort of crackhead kind of looking ripped way where he's just, just like, yeah, just totally sinewy, like a body of muscle, but like totally skinny <laughs> like a rat. I think um, you've thought too much about Duncan Bannatyne in your life. This is starting then. to sound a little bit obsessive. <laughs> only just then, Johnny. I've just got a very active imagination. I'm just picturing him in a role of um, Brad Pitt in, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Guy Ritchie film where he's, he plays the the hard in, man, in gypsy, Snatch. bare knuckle. Yeah, in Snatch. But just put, 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 put um, Duncan Bannatyne's uh, weaselly head onto brad pitt's body as a gypsy hard man bare knuckle fighter that's what i'm picturing there is there is no other beer podcast in the world where this kind of conversation would be had so um i don't know whether you feel welcome out there but you are welcome very very welcome and that goes for you duncan Ballantyne as well (laughs) who i'm sure uh, is listening while pounding it out in the gym yeah yeah he's i heard that he listens to it while he's running on his treadmill 
I mean, who doesn't? It's the perfect place to listen to a beer podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's true or not. Obviously, none of that is <laughs> potentially true, what I've just said. Uh, de- it's uh, definitely slander, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, so anyway, uh, I <laughs> I can't even remember. Where's my notes? God damn it. There they are, right. You've Crossover Blendery. stuff, haven't you? Yeah. Yes, yesterday. <laughs> thank you, Bradley. Uh, yesterday, I, I was at Crossover Blendery, so they're now my local brewery. When, when I moved to where I live now in Hertfordshire, um, the, one of the first things I did when I go to any town really is Google like great, great breweries, great bars, great pubs. Um, and I was delighted to find that I had a local brewery. Um, it's not your classic local brewery. So crossover are exclusively spontaneous, uh, wild ferments all aged in barrels. Um, they brew it all themselves up at Elgood's, which is an old real ale brewery that happens to have a cool ship which the cool ship was never used for that kind of beer before because just all British breweries had cool ships back then. That's how you cooled it. Um, but they uh, they now use it for for wild beer, both at, um, at Elgood's and Crossover now. Um, so they only opened in January 2020. So they're barely 18 months old. So all of their beer is extremely young. And we talk a lot about that in the video that I made because lots of people are drinking their beers and going, oh, there's not a lot of Brett character, not a lot of Acetic, not a lot of all, all this kind of funk. And they're like, yeah, it's because... You know, it's 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 effectively young lambic, yeah. which yeah. if you've ever had young lambic, it's quite sweet and caramelly, and then it's got that vinegar tang and a little bit of bread maybe starting to come through. Um, but what was really interesting and, and what I really enjoyed is they're really interested in British fruit, so they've they've looked at the spontaneous market for want of a better word. Um, so looked at you know, Burning Skies output, Wilds output um and and fine ales which we looked at in that video about british spontaneous beer and realized that nobody's really making fruited beers like you know creeks frams and all the stuff that the lambic guys do so their sort of twist on it is they're always going to use british fruits nice um and they're always going to really drill down into those fruits so you know they've they were telling me there's 250 varieties of plum in the uk and they intend to find the best ones um and and uh fruit fruit seasonally um according to to what's available and what could be delicious in their drinks so it's a, yeah a really exciting approach to sort of be a kind of fruit forward almost like cider like levels of fruit forwardness it's like focus on the fruit and and use the the beer as, as the base almost um, amazing yeah so it could be so a really something quite different fruit. from uh anything else in the uk by the sounds of it yeah absolutely i think we we had long chats about you know how you how you build yourself a niche within a niche without sort of alienating just about everybody and i think that you know using fruit something that we all understand and all enjoy is is a really great way of doing that and the beer that i had in the video which was it was a plum a young plum sour a young like a sour golden ale with plums i guess would be the best way of describing it um was absolutely stunning and loads of plum character and loads of like that really young spontaneous kind of character so a little bit of caramel and there's i think it's 70 percent wheat so loads of kind of cracker malt nice. base to it it's really interesting beer but can, I, you stop I've, saying, I've given... uh, can you stop saying young plums now johnny because it's disturbing me <laughs> it's a strange <laughs> phrase i apologize um well i'm going to start talking about crossover anyway because i don't want to ruin the video i've given so many spoilers away um <laughs> 250 varieties of plums in the uk that's a lot of plums mate it's a lot oh, of different plums go. Well, I mean, that's dwarfed by the amount of apples. Well, I was going to say apples. Obviously, we are 
the kind of you know the the widest sort of apple uh, producers in the world, right? We uh, the, the Victorians hybridized yeah. all the apples and made all these different varieties that have gone around the world now, which is kind mm. of amazing. I don't. I might, we must have talked about. I watched a documentary about apples um, years ago, and I can't find it anywhere now. But it was really incredible. Um, it was all about the yeah, like I've just said, the Victorians and their hybridizing of apples. When they they go, they literally go apple hunting and find trees, you know, just a random tree anywhere. And then if they love the flavor, they bring it back and they'd like hybridize it. And you can graft. You know, branches onto different trees. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff with apples. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music, and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time, I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers, and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Yeah, I mean that you know that was a great discovery. We we talked about it in our barley video last week about how you know those are kind of selections. So you you find the best varieties or the best trees and you try to replicate those mm. rather than you know just just letting nature happen. It's sort of low intervention at the the very bottom scale of GM. It's like natural GM. It's not unnatural selection. I guess is probably the phrase for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Should we talk about the video? Yeah, go I, on, I say man. the video, your video, Bradley. My video, yeah, yeah, your that's video. a weird thing to say, but um, yeah, <laughs> it was it was just about time to do another episode of of Lowbrow. Um, it'd been I think three months since the first one, and uh, we didn't have a video this week, Johnny. So I had to sort of um, try and smash it out of the park, uh, which which you hopefully... did. Oh, thanks, man. I think it was good. I had it was. I think I probably recorded it on the hottest day of the year. And I was getting a bit of a fuzzy brain from just being boiling hot. Um, uh, but I think, yeah, with the edit you did, I think it kind of came out all right. And honestly, those were some of the most... Uh, I know they were Camden, and I don't really drink Camden, but I just needed fridge beers that uh, I could get enough of um, on the day I was filming. Um, you know, I just had to rush out and get them real quick. Um, and they they were so and obviously beer that we were happy to store at twenty five degrees exactly wouldn't want to do that to a nice beer no I was like well it's gonna taste it's gonna taste how it tastes but uh, you know it, it you know they were some of the most refreshing beers that I've <laughs> that I've had in a little while because it was it was it was quite a, a laborious day um, filming that on on my lonesome and then you know cracking them I was it was just great even the the salty one was very satisfying. <laughs> yeah that's something that was missing from the video which was like remember to rinse your can after a heavy salt bath <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah and also the the other thing that was missing which we, we missed a bit of a trick there and there's lots of people in the comments saying it like the major benefit of that salt bath hack mm. is that you can do multiple cans multiple cans yeah so if you, if you didn't spin it it would be a little bit slower but you could put you know a six pack in there 
and they would all chill down super super cold so yeah, it's got yeah. slight benefit over the uh over the cooper cooler i mean the, the the sky's the limit in terms of like if you've got a bigger cooler um and you've got more ice and more more salt more water you can fit more cans in mm-hmm. um but it's just basic maths yeah i mean i've i've <laughs> got you know from from all of the comments there there could be a small part two episode if in the works at some point because I think I reckon I could get the salt bath hack to pretty much come down to sixty seconds now from some of the it's a big claim from a lot of the suggestions that have been made. Um, I think that I could think I could I could speed it up a lot. Somebody, I can't remember whether it was in the comments or whether it was in our Patreon forum. Yeah. Somebody came up with a great way of doing it. If you get those plastic clicky yeah, yeah, yeah. six packs. This is it, yeah. That's, that's that how can I'm be gonna, the great way of attaching it to it. a drill. Yeah. yeah, so basically, yeah, the the, 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 the full lid plastic uh, four pack or six pack um, things. Are they allowed? To, they do sell those now, don't they? Because animals can't put their head in it and... Uh, if they go in the ocean and all that sort of stuff. so Yeah, and it's single new... plastic, so it is recyclable, yeah. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're slightly better than those horrible pulley ones that used to kill loads of animals and stuff, but they're not yeah, as good man. as the cardboard ones that are starting to come out. That's it, right? So I need I need a way of attaching it to a drill bit that is repeatable. Because I was like, I can just gaffer tape a can onto a drill bit. But no, that isn't what I want to do. I want to make it so I can do this a bunch of times. So one of those plastic... Um, lids I think it's a bit of a game changer and then I need some some sort of two-pack glue and then glue that to a drill bit via you know maybe a 3d printed sort of holder type thing maybe so I don't know if there's any 3d printing folk out there I mean if there's 3d printing folk that I can get involved I could probably fabricate that whole lid with a drill with a with a hex uh, bit holder and then we've yeah. got we've got something like a product right there that I think could could probably um, do well. Like we could just we could just give out the file for free on the internet. Get ahead yeah, of myself 100%. here, Johnny. But I, I, you are, I think... and you're you're spoiling the video that is forming in Shit. my brain here, where Brad goes three D printing. Cut this out. Cut all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll keep it in and appeal to anybody. If you have a 3D printer and are very experienced at using it and think you could help us out, get in touch. Yeah, man. Um, get in touch. Right. Well, w- this podcast is is getting away from where well, it got away from us in the first two minutes, if I'm honest. But <laughs> uh, let's speed it along. So Brad did an incredible job. If you haven't seen it, Brad got uh, the Cooper Cooler, which manages to chill beer down uh, to you know, ice cold refreshment in one minute flat. And then we came up with a hack that manages to do it in three minutes. And all you need is salt, ice and a bucket. And Teflon um, hands. And Teflon hands or gloves. Or Brad, gloves. Just gloves. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so should we should we dive into the comments and, and see what, what fun there was to be had? Yeah, go on. You go first because I don't want to. I feel embarrassed by the comments because they're talking about me. Because <laughs> they're all nice <laughs> about you. Yeah. Most of them. Um, There's a couple of bad ones, but yeah. Oh, I mean, there's always going to be on YouTube. Um, so Nuno Alves um, made a, an interesting point, and a couple of other people did as well. Um, and he says, "I'd imagine the Cooper Cooler wouldn't be great, wouldn't be a great tool for a beer that has a lot of sediment in, right? Say, for mm. example, home brews, which usually have a decent layer on the bottom of the bottle. All that spinning would just get mixed in, right? Yeah. So, a couple of points. 
Um, firstly, yeah, what, what we didn't show in the video is that you can put bottles in there. There's like a little bit at the end of the, the see-through plastic that pops out. Yeah, you can put up to a wine a wine size bottle in there. So anything's yeah. going to fit in there. That's no problem. Yeah. Um, so just just on that point, so the actual spinning probably mm. wouldn't be that much of an issue because the centrifugal force would, would keep it roughly in place, that sediment. But just lying it down, it yeah. will already have gone wrong. Um, so, yeah, it's not ideal for anything that's that's bottle conditioned. No. Um, Just to add so, to that as well, though, there is actually a setting on there that's no spin, um, which right. which w- is, is probably a bit of a game changer. But obviously, if you've got sediments that are in the bottom, unless you've been storing it on its side, which why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. Um, but if you've stored it on its side and then you put it in on its side and then you don't spin it in the, in the no spin setting, you're going to have and then a use really a lambic cool basket to keep it on its side while you pour it. Yeah, because I mean, you you can you can store beer on its side, and I know that people like Cantillon do. But our, our advice from our experience is: do not lie it on its side unless you're going to age it for years and years and years mm. and years. Because then you'll want to keep the cork wet, like you do in wine. If um, if you're not intending to do that, then it's better off upright. And if it's got a cap on it, not a cork, do not lie it down, mm. because. Um, the the cap can start to corrode so upright unless it's corked and you're keeping it for five years plus is is our advice there yeah man um so yeah it's, it's not ideal for bottle conditioned or, or wild you know very heavily sedimenty kind of beers but equally you know like allagash white it says you know turn it upside down to uh to get all the sediment in so it's perfect for that so yeah you know swings and roundabouts uh bradley what was your comment uh, I had a comment from FatherF93 who said, a ride on the positivity train with Brad. Just what I needed. I always use the good old wet paper around the bottle trick. Maybe you could review those bottle resealers next. Uh, forget the name, but keep it up. Um, so, yeah, we've we've you know, we've got a, a sort of another lowbrow in the works, which is going to be about the best bottle openers in the world. And I think... We're going to get some sort of resealing technology in there because one of them might happen to be a, a kind of resealer as well, to be honest. Yeah, we'll do some more research and see if there's some more resealing options out there because I think, particularly if you're a lone beer geek in a house or, or you don't have many friends that are into certain styles, that's the big barrier to 750s. Um, I mean, my collection is almost exclusively 750s because I can't find a reason to open them. So having resealers is amazing. And we use the Hermitus, which we love um, and have talked about endlessly. But there, there's probably other options we can explore as part of that episode for sure. Um, so, yeah, that is in the works. Um, I love I love the phrase, the Brad positivity train, because I usually use the train metaphor about Brad going off the tracks. Um, <laughs> so it, it's good that the train has its has practical purpose, too. Ding, ding, next stop, positivity. (laughs) (laughs) You sounded so dour when you said it. (laughs) Um, Right, yes, we've got a question this week. It's an involved question. Yes, it is. So I'm looking forward to tackling this one. And it comes from one of our Patreons, Josh Meller, who has actually appeared in a couple of episodes uh, tasting our beer. So let's see what Josh has to say. Hi, Brad and Johnny. It's Josh here, one of your Patreons. Um, this week I have a question about transitioning from home brewing to commercial brewing. Um, 
I'm currently in the process myself of getting a small brewing business off the ground and I'm dealing with all the rigmarole that comes with that. Um, I'm from a homebrew back my background myself. I've never worked in the brewing industry. So I wanted to ask you guys what your key tips were for people who were transitioning from homebrewing to commercial brewing. Great, thanks very much. Love and a bit. Some people on our uh, Discord forum called Josh the Chosen One because he has appeared in several videos, um, <laughs> and he's sort of he's sort of revered as a kind of Neo from the Matrix type figure in our in our strange little bubble we've created. He is that. That's how much fun it is, guys. All the <laughs> all the bands. <laughs> Praise me. Um, <laughs> so yeah so uh, josh thanks for the question um it's a great question i think probably one that um i've actually been asked it quite a few times so i've got i've got all the answers um so if i start and then we'll we'll, we'll come to bradley for some some uh, design and philosophy thoughts yeah. um but i mean the, the the first thing i'd say is that you need to find a niche or you need to stand for something so when i say stand for something i'm not not necessarily talking politics although that has worked for some breweries um but it, it's having a thing that people know you for right because that's how you're going to set yourself apart um and all the really successful breweries have always been known for one thing whether it's it was like beaver town with their with their artwork and, and gamma ray or whether it's um uh whether it will be crossover with their fruited fruit fruit forward young beers or whatever it's going to be just something that sets you apart is super important don't come out just making new england ipa or something like that the, the best example i've had recently is elusive Bruco, who are a very small brewery fantastic brewery make a whole range of styles but he's recently uh andy's just started to develop a reputation for making great west coast ipa at a time when there's almost no west coast ipas that are really great and available so that's sort of a great example of, of him realizing he's very good at something and running with it. Um, and on that note, I'd also, I'd always have one accessible core beer. And when I say accessible, I don't mean cheap and affordable um, and mass market. I just mean one that is of a sensible ABV, is of a sensible cost, and that you really dial in, you know, right down to every single detail and over several batches get it perfect, which is the, the steady rolling man approach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. that's what wonders for Dea. Um, and speaking to Theo, you know, by doing that, he's learned so much about his house yeast, so much about his malt and his hop suppliers that he applies to other beers. So it's not just a, a commercial decision. It's a, 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 a practical one in terms of improving your, your brewing processes. Um, the other thing is is serve serve your local market first. If you can build up a local loyal following, you know, they want to support you. Everybody wants to drink and eat local. So if you serve that need, you're going to create a constant market that you can rely on so that when things go wrong, you've got champions there and you've got a constant sales thing happening. Whereas if you do, you know, no shade on Verdant, it was tough to build a local market in Cornwall, but you know, they managed to do that because their beer was just of exceptional quality, but mostly slinging it off to other parts of the world where you can't communicate, where you can't, you know, keep going in there and checking on the quality of the beer that's being served and explaining to people the beer and having those conversations is going to be much harder. And the final thing is don't enter price wars. Just, you know, if a pub comes to you and says, oh, I can get this for this price, you just go, that's cool, that's their price. 
Because as soon as you start dropping your price for certain customers, other customers expect it. And as soon as you drop it, it's very hard to put it back up. So value your beer at the price that it costs you to make and with the markup that you believe is fair. And if people don't want it, then, you know, you may have to brew a different style or change the recipe or something. But don't compromise on the price. You know, stand firm and believe your beer is worth what it's worth. That's that's my advice from four years in beer distribution and eight years of watching people make great decisions and lots of others make terrible decisions. Uh, Bradley, what about what about design? How do you stand yeah. out as a new brewery? Well, all, all very sound advice first, Johnny. Um, I, I think the, you know, the most important thing that you've said there for me is about sort of building up a local fan base. So I think that goes without saying, if you're, if you're not like a Verdant where people are just knocking at your door to get any beer you, you crank out, um you kind of need to establish yourself in your in your hometown in your home area and and really you know be a great place to go to if you're going to have a tap room make it a destination um and you know people can taste the love you're putting into a beer and if you're you know you're from that hometown or you've moved there you know kind of immerse yourself in it and 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 make the beer about where you're from um, I think that's all really important. And, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of branding, it's very hard to stand out um, because there's just so much. We're just overloaded with, with stuff at the moment. So I think you, you can kind of, if you can find your own voice, um, uh, you know, in, in where you're from and, you know, what style you're making. I think the other important thing you said, Johnny, was about, you know, you can almost, if you've got that core beer, you can almost build a brand off of one beer um i i often think that's the clever the, the, the cleverest way to do something um is make something brilliant make one of them that everyone wants it and then that is that's your calling card like that's your steady when everyone goes i want i want that i know i like that and then from there that's your jumping off point where you can you can experiment and try all sorts of different things Obviously, when you're founding a brewery, there's going to be loads of experimentation. You're going to try all different things before you hit on that. Um, and that's that's all part of the joy and possibly the pain of, um, uh, you know, brewing and, and trying to sell your wares. But I, I, I genuinely think um, when you're starting a brewery, you need to have a great name. You need to have a great concept. Um you know the branding can come a little bit later, but it is—it's super important. I'm not going to lie; it's like it's a big deal. Like if you if if you, people don't want to pick the stuff up off the shelf because it doesn't it doesn't talk to them, it doesn't shout to them, then you you kind of already lost the battle before it's even started because you're not going to get it in their mouths. Um, so yeah, I think you know it's it's a tough game, but I think it's also a brilliant game if you know and a rewarding game if you can get people to drink something you've made i think it's 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 super it's super rewarding man so yeah, josh you, great you, luck, you, uh, great luck to you 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 raise a great point there just about how when you start a new business whatever the business but particularly in brewing you're gonna make mistakes and so you know you say when like the branding could come a little bit later you know if you're sat there and you're like i don't really have a name i love i don't really have a brand i love i don't really you know, you you feel like it's not a fully formed idea yet. That's okay. Like, yeah. do some cool stuff. Get it wrong every now and then, and, and and you'll start to learn it. And ideas 
can start to to crystallize so not not worrying too much about not having that striking identity it's at first is no no yeah. bad thing i think it's like gold mining yeah so you're you're kind of chipping away at a big rock um all day every day and it, you might feel like you're not getting anywhere and you're like oh maybe i'll try this different technique of blasting the rock away but like still still not hitting gold and then all of a sudden you maybe you're near the point of giving up and you just suddenly hit a vein of gold and you've you've something just clicks in your mind and you're like right this is what i'm doing this is who i am this is the beer i'm going to make and it all just suddenly makes sense but it's yeah. getting to that point isn't it and i think you only get there by struggling and by realizing what what you shouldn't be doing uh, to a certain extent or just experimenting like as, as much as you can um and and working out what what it is that you're great at which which is the other thing is like what are you good at play to your strengths i think is always mm-hmm. always the way to go yep yeah well i hope that helps josh and all the best with is mella mella brewing i think it was yeah Mella. Um, yeah yeah so uh yeah uh, josh is there in our forum if you want to uh find out more about the brewery but also we'll, we'll be throwing some support his way because he's been a been a patreon and a supporter and indeed a, a co-presenter uh for many years now right. um so yeah wishing you all the best with with that new venture josh uh that's the end of this week's episode um we are back on wednesday we've got two videos in the pipeline i don't know which one we're going to publish so i Ooh. won't tell you which one it is yet um until i know uh but we'll see you next friday for another episode of friday 5 p.m love and beer The Bubble and Friday 5pm podcasts are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash the craft beer channel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum. A positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and homebrewing. Love and beer.